Hey. Hey, you. Did you know that the Big Lebowski used the word dude 161 times and some form of the F word 292 times? Did you know that Mike Myers was offered the role of Shrek at the premiere of Saving Private Ryan? Did you know that we have a Patreon? <laughs> well, check it out. You can find it in the links inside the episode descriptions or at our official website. It's a great way to support the show and even get yourselves shouted out at the end of every month. It really helps us out, and we are eternally grateful to each and every one of you that supports us. But for now, honestly, I really hope you just enjoy this episode. So let's go to the room of requirement. To the room of requirement? No, god damn it. Oh my god. The- Scott just doesn't even want to do this no, episode? No, <laughs> dude, I don't know what's happening right now. I know what's happening. I'm a fucking idiot. Like... <clears throat> let's go hangover. i do let's go to the timeline yeah Holy we're gonna go to the shit Dude, I bet you I could hit some sick notes with that song right now. I have been belting it all day. I'm sure my neighbors have been hearing it. Oh, they better. Ooh, baby. Ooh, say it ooh. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we're doing here today. We're just here to give you our our best Stevie Nicks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Stevie Nicks podcast. Yep. Well, you've got the sort of rugged smoker's voice today, so you could probably be Stevie Nicks. Scott mm. had a big night out for 30-something, and now he's hungover. Yeah, Scott's very, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, re- I need greasy food real bad. Scott's riding the struggle bus. Um, it's all right. At least I got chicken. That's good. I have yet to have breakfast, and it is kind of the afternoon, but that's uh, okay. Oh, my God. Didn't your hours, doesn't time change today, or is that tomorrow? No, the time changed, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I'm ahead of you now. It's like 1 o'clock here almost. Uh, um, that sucks. What ah, are we here for? What are we doing here? We're here for like the best of all the things. The um, best of everything we've done so far. Definitely the best of 1995, and definitely one of the things that I've been most excited for. Um, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, we're here for Toy Story. Yeah. It's so. It's like this is this is a big one. This is like a huge in terms of like movie history and animation and like the stuff that we like that this podcast exists to talk about like this is this is like a big big hinge point in pop culture and in technology Mm -hmm. and like so it's very very exciting um do you want to tell us about the movie it is well first i want to remind you guys that when we had first started talking about doing the show our this is how stupid we were almost two years ago (laughs) right um Lindsay and I were like, well, we have movies that have like sequels, like Toy Story and Toy Story 2 and like Jurassic Park and Transformers and stuff like that. And my dumbass was like, why don't we just do an episode about all of the movies all at once? And then looking at Lindsay's notes for just this movie, fucking nope. It's like <laughs> seven pages yeah, just this is, for this one. Can you imagine if we tried yeah. to hit them all? 
there's no way we'd be here a month of Sundays. I'd have to start drinking again. Yeah, we would. We would. It would. It would take the rest of our lives. I can't believe what we thought that we were no. gonna have so little to say before we got no. started. Right? Not a fucking chance. Um, but yeah, so we're here for we're here for Toy Story, which is uh, directed by John Lasseter, uh, written by John Lasseter, but also Pete Doctor and Andrew Stanton, starring Tom Hanks as Woody and Tim Allen as Buzz. This was Pixar's first film, as well as the first ever fully animated film. And it changed. It literally like the, I, I, I feel like Shrek and like Wally and all the all that stuff. I don't think any of those movies would exist in the capacity that they do without Toy Story. No, obviously not. And I am going to just slightly correct your hungover ass uh, that it, it is the uh, the first fully computer animated film. Oh, Not the first fully animated film. Oh, shit. Sorry. The first fully computer animated film. I think that was obvious, but all the same. Yeah. Um, but no, absolutely. All those other things would not have happened without this. And not just because of the technology that went into it, but also because of the way that Pixar tells stories, which we're going to talk about a bunch today, and how different it is from what was happening in animation prior. Like it really opened the door for like a different kind of animated movie and different kinds of stories told in this medium. So, so much, it changed literally everything. Mm. Um, And and give me a plot. Tell me what what went down. What went down in in Toy Story? That sounded really dirty for what we're talking about. I know. I hate that. I hate that I said that like that. (laughs) This is going to be a weird episode. I don't know. My mind's in the gutter. It's Pedro Day. So I'm like, you know, maybe that's not how everyone else took it. My my brain's in the gutter. Um, All right. So Sheriff Woody, an old family toy and king shit of Andy's room, is brought low by the arrival of a superior toy, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Buzz, however, is an existential meltdown just waiting to happen, and he has no idea that he's actually just a toy and not a space ranger. Full of insecurity, Woody tries to get rid of Buzz, but both end up lost and then in the hands of evil preteen neighbor Sid. Can Woody and Buzz learn the true meaning of what it is to be a toy and escape Sid and get to the moving van in time? Totally. Do I want a fifth movie in this franchise? Also totally. I... Mm. We're going to talk about that, too, because it's a real thing that's happening. Yeah, I know. We will talk at length about that in Rumor Requirement. But uh, all four of the currently existing Toy Story movies and Lightyear are available on Disney+. Plus. So let's go to the Rumor Requirement. To the Room of Requirement? No. God damn it. Oh, my God. Scott just doesn't even want to do this episode. (laughs) Dude, I don't know what's happening right now. I know what's happening. I'm a fucking idiot. Like, let's go. I do. Let's go to the timeline. Yeah, we're going to go to the timeline. shit. It continues to be 1995 and some of the best of 1995, of course. Uh, Historical context, this is the year that Philip Pullman publishes Northern Lights, one of my favorite books. Alanis Morissette releases her iconic album, Jagged Little Pill. Dolly the Cloned Sheep was born and the X Games premiered. Oh, he on some X Games mode. (laughs) Yep. I just love that (laughs) meme. Um, 
I'm really excited about the Rotten Tomatoes side of this because this is our first 100% movie. This is awesome. 100% on the tomato meter and 92% audience score, which I think is a huge indicator for what's to come for Disney and how stupid they were to let this everything with Pixar, how stupid they were to let all of this get as out of hand as it did for Disney. Yeah. Disney was stupid to let this become the fight that it did. Yeah. Like they, and they worked it out in the end and we're going to talk about that saga, but yeah, this really speaks to like Disney should be shaken in their boots at this point when this mm. movie comes out. Cause it was like insane. Yeah. It kind of, it went on for way too long. Yeah. The drama it did. Well, cause Disney thought they were King shit. Like Disney was just like, no, we're Disney and therefore do what we want. And Pixar was like, you have no idea what we have and you guys suck right now. And like, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And ended up effectively winning. Um, but we'll get into that. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy wins Best Picture in 95. But in 96, John Lasseter wins a Special Achievement in Filmmaking Award for Toy Story. It was also nominated for Best Screenplay, but lost to The Usual Suspects. Yeah. And for Best Music, both Song and Score. But it lost to Pocahontas on both accounts. Okay. I would give Pocahontas better music than Toy Story. No way, dude. I I would sing You Got a Friend in Me way more than any song from Pocahontas. Than Just Beyond the River Bend or whatever? Really? Or Colors of the Wind? I don't know. I think those are catchier songs, but I also like really passionately hate what's his name who sings the Toy Story music. Randy Newman. Yeah, I don't like Randy Newman. (laughs) I like when they make fun (laughs) of him in Family Guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You take a bite of an apple once, twice, three times. <laughs> three times. <laughs> I just, I hate him, even though I think the music in Toy Story really, really works. Yeah. Like, it's fantastic. But I can see why Pocahontas won. Um, yeah. Murphy Brown and L.A. Law win the Emmys. Of course they do. Again, still. Still in 1995. Uh, no warning. No That's no surprise. No warning whatsoever. Talk to me about the parks. Yeah, so Toy Story didn't get its own ride until the Buzz Lightyear shooter uh, game, I think, in the mid to late 2000s, which is it's an insanely fun ride, but the characters are everywhere. Woody is in Woody and Buzz are in every parade. And then when two came out, Jesse joined um, and it was. It was like a huge deal to have them, especially because of the fight that Disney went through with Pixar for them to start showing up now was like a big deal. And then if memory serves, I believe they now have more of a presence in California Adventure than they do in uh, the actual park. They're not really in uh the magic kingdom very much in california though i do think that's where a lot of their stuff is in florida but i'm not positive but they are just sort of everywhere they just like permeate the park yeah Um, and it's one of the reasons actually that disney did eventually kind of acquiesce was like they were seeing that like you know the most popular things in the park like the only things really that were there since kind of the way early days apart from some of the new renaissance stuff like it was all pixar yeah and, it made like, sense. W- and yeah like going past this movie like into for the next 10 years like up to when tangled gets made there's like the only characters from from like between 95 and around 2010 
like the characters Mulan that people cared about that you saw. Well, I would know like in the parks, the, the main, the characters you really were seeing were Pixar characters that people were excited oh, about. Oh yeah. New characters from Disney weren't really being added to the parks during those like 15 years between yeah. Toy Story and Tangled because the new characters like sucked and they were like, fuck like Toy Story or uh, Pixar is making all the things that people are interested in. Actually, now that right? I'm thinking about it, I don't think Mulan is in any of the parades. No, I don't. I don't think I've ever but... seen her. Yeah, that's there's not a big presence for Mulan or Hercules. Basically, after '95, everything that people cared about until Tangled was Pixar yeah. property. So Disney definitely was like needing to get on board. But um, this, <laughs> the the title that I have for this next uh, section, if we're ready to just get into the movie. Oh no, sorry, no, sorry. We have uh, uh, sequels. Major sequels. section that you're skipping right over. <laughs> yeah, my bad. You t- you take this. Go ahead. So, yeah, there are sequels, uh, Toy Story 2, 3, and 4. Uh, there is a pseudo prequel, but it's not really a pseudo prequel. It's just a movie that takes place from inside the Toy Story universe is Lightyear. For those of you who aren't aware, Lightyear is the movie that inspired the action figure line in the Toy Story universe. So that movie exists as though we are in the Toy Story universe. Yeah, Lightyear opens up with like a a crawl, like a written mm-hmm. crawl that says in 1995 a boy named Andy went to see a movie and it was and his favorite new toy was based on that movie. This is that movie. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's so good. It I love Lightyear. I, did really I don't like understand it. the hate for Lightyear. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was funny there as was, hell. There was also like a Space Ranger show on TV. Yeah, I remember that. It was they're it was pretty good. They're pretending like it didn't happen. Well, because they uh, want to do a new one now. Well, it doesn't fit in canon with what they want to do, and it never really fit with anything that Buzz talked about. Yeah, right. Like what's presented in the in the main Toy Story franchise yeah. isn't really reflected in that show. Whereas in Lightyear, it's like so much fun to watch all the parallels of like things that Buzz says when he first comes out of the box are things that he says in the movie that are his lines of dialogue, yep. like all the way that he is and the things that he does and how he gets his outfit, like it all fits and it's just like the most yeah. fun ever. So I really like Lightyear. I also really like all three of the Toy Story sequels. I think they're all really good. I'm going to say something really controversial at the beginning right now. Um, while Toy Story three ruined me, I would have preferred that be where it ended. That was such a good conclusion to the Andy and his toys saga. Like I agree. I I felt like that when that, when toy story four was announced, I was like, but toy story three was perfect. Yeah, I don't need a four. And that's kind of why I'm like, is there really like a fifth one coming? Like, well, now that well, we'll talk about the fifth one. We'll save yeah. that for rumor requirement because I have lots of thoughts on why we need a fifth movie. Oh my god! <laughs> but did you like the fourth one? I didn't hate it, but uh, I, it felt more like a reason for Tom Hanks to not have to come back in future stuff. Like, I don't know. It, it felt like such a departure from Tom Hanks or from like Woody's character where he's like, I'm all about protecting the kid and I've got to be the kid's toy. And he, she needs us. Like that's our job as toys to being like, I got to go be every child on earth's toy. I, I would argue that toy story four works as the natural progression to Woody's growth. 
that like the whole the whole thing is Woody's arc, but we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll, we're going to talk about that arc. I I did I like really it, like, like it when it came out. Yeah. I when I first saw it, I saw it like many times in theaters because I was avoiding being at home because I was in the middle of my divorce. Mm. So I just was like hanging out anywhere that wasn't my house, and I was in Vegas, and so the movie theaters are inside the casinos. So I would like go buy a ticket to Toy Story. I'd like come out and smoke a cigarette at the parts that I didn't care about. Like I was like just living at the movie theater, just trying to avoid being home. And I like didn't like this when it came out. I honestly like for despite how many times I went to see it was just kind of like, I don't think it's very good. I don't think we need this. Yeah. But then when I watched it more recently, like now that I'm healed, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Like I was so emotionally dead inside when I saw this <laughs> first time. I love this movie. It's great. Like I feel totally different about it now. So um, anyway, let's get out of the timeline. Yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, where do we start, honestly? I mean, this whole thing really made me think of Iron Man and just like Tony Stark was able to build this this in a cave. With a box of scraps. (laughs) Like when this movie was made, genuinely it was made by like 10 dudes working around the clock, riding razor scooters around the office building and sleeping under their desks in Point Richmond. Hell yeah. Like. It's insane that those nerds literally changed the world. Like, it honestly was just a skeleton crew in a fucking office building in Richmond, just working. Like, literally, Lasseter slept under his desk along with the rest of them while they were trying to animate this thing. And they were just, like, wrestling with the computer, trying to figure out what they could and couldn't do, and just building it in a cave, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, they, I cannot believe that they were able to do this. I mean... If you've seen some of the Pixar like documentaries and things that are on Disney Plus now, like there's one episode of the like Inside Pixar, one of the guys is talking about he's worked at Pixar for 20 years and he has animated a total of 46 minutes of film or something like that. Yeah. Like the amount of time that it takes to do this, I can't believe it was possible to make this movie in 1995. Yeah. I literally don't believe it. Like and it it I know that it doesn't look good if you watch the older Toy Stories, like original Toy Story compared to Toy Story 4. It's like night and day, obviously. Yeah, I mean, if you go back now and watch the first one, like obviously as we did, you know what it is? Honestly, the worst part of animation in this whole movie is Scud. The dog walking up the stairs, I'm just like, this looks awful. It's part of the reason they chose toys. Right, because it's easier. There's to no animate. muscle animation. There's no anything like that. And you know what's really funny to me is like Woody's run, which always makes me laugh because he's like so ragdoll when he runs and shit. Uh huh. That was always done really well to me. Like that, all I always believed that Woody had like floppy like appendages and shit. And I would say that once you're more than four minutes into the movie, you forget yeah. that it doesn't look that good. Like it, cause, cause it looks great. Yeah. Even Scott and Sid, like at the end of the day, like it doesn't bother me once I'm 10 mm-hmm. minutes into the movie. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's just it's like how my brain works. Up. So I did notice it like when I first started, but yeah. It, like I say, for the first few minutes, we all notice it yeah. and it like, it really isn't that bad. Like it holds up. Um, but, but for more background on this, so John Lasseter 
Cool. I just want to upfront recognize the controversy around Lassiter mm-hmm. and just say, I know that it's there, but it's not our focus today. So um, just for the record, I'm aware of that. And we're just going to kind of stay focused on current, mm. like, or not current, but what was happening in 1995. Um, but I'm aware that Lassiter is no longer at Pixar and was creating a toxic situation at Pixar. So just to yeah. acknowledge that. Um, but he was one of the old school, like Disney animation guys, right? Yeah. He, like went through Disney's animation school. That's where room A113 comes from. Mm. If anyone knows that Easter egg that's in every Pixar movie, it's because that's the the classroom where they all were at for the, um, what was the, it's Caltech, right? They were all at Caltech animation. Um, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure they all went to Caltech. And yeah, I'm almost. The room at Caltech. Yeah, it's, I'm almost positive. It's, I'm, well, I know I'm it's like the sure room. I'm like sure enough that I. Yeah, I know it's the room. I just, I don't know if it's Caltech or not. I'm pretty sure that it's Caltech. Oh, um, yeah, then you're good. Should I look it up? No, we're good. But yeah, go ahead. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> I knew you were going to. <laughs> Caltech. Yeah, CalArts, not Caltech. Okay. All right, I'm glad I looked it up. Yeah. CalArts, not Caltech. Um, so that's that's where Room A113 comes from. So Lasseter was one of the old school guys from there. And he basically got fired from Disney for like pushing computer animation on Brave Little Toaster. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that movie? I have. I love that movie. It's Just, basically it's Toy movie. Story, right? It is. It's literally the same story. Yeah. Except it's like appliances instead of toys, but they're yeah. like this kid's best friend. Which, if we revisited that movie, I'm pretty sure I would have concerns about the kid's welfare. Uh, but, yeah, you know. especially about like the heating blanket and his attachment to the vacuum. <laughs> like, I I just have a lot of questions. I have concerns. Yeah, and the fact that he like risked his life to save these things when he was at the junkyard, like that's what blows my mind. I remember that movie viscerally, and how I fucking scary. Like the the AC unit kills himself. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. He's like, I can't do this anymore. It's it's really very brutal. And it does have that connective tissue with Toy Story with the junkyard, mm-hmm. right? And the fire yeah. like from Toy Story 3. Like, it's weird how how important Big uh, Brave Little Toaster was for John Lasseter. Yeah. Um, but basically, he got fired from Disney for that because he was really pushing it. And Disney was like, nah, we're king shit. And you're going to do what we say. And this isn't what we do. And like, what's the point? They, what they said to, to Lasseter basically was, if it doesn't make it faster, or more like more efficient or cheaper, then why would we do it, right? And so this is like the fundamental difference between Disney and Pixar in their creative minds mm-hmm. in the nineties, yeah. right? Is that Disney was like, we're only here to like they were just looking at dollar signs. Right. And the people who founded Pixar, starting with Lasseter, were like, no, we're here to be creative. We want to make art. We want to do stuff. So this like crazy fucking like island of misfit mascots that they put together was like it was people from all different disciplines yeah. right? it was people who came from animation it was people who came from technology it was like just from all over the place they brought all these different people together who were like no we just we just want to make something like we just want to create we want to tell a story even people had no idea how to animate but they knew what the computer was about mm-hmm. right and they were software developers and they were marrying these things and like pixar originally was invested in by your boy lucas Do you want to talk to us about this piece? Well, Lucas's story is a little bit different. He just wanted to make movies that he thought he would want to see. And it's kind of the same thing where they were like, we want to push the envelope of what we can do. 
And that's how industrial light and magic started. And Skywalker sound started was if you're not going to help me do this, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. And the, a lot of the people from old, like the old crew at Lucasfilm industrial light and magic, those were the Pixar guys, right? Lucas invested in Pixar. He's like the original Pixar investor because John Lester gets fired from Disney and he says, well, fuck you then. I'm going to figure this out on my own and gets gets his crew together, gets Lucas to invest. And a lot of these guys had come from Industrial Light and Magic and they were the ones who created Caps, yep. which we've obviously talked about at length, and Render Man, which is like the OG graphic software. Do you know mm, Render Man? Yeah, it's how MoCap actually became MoCap. Yep. Anybody who's taken a basic animation class before, solid chance you've used Render Man. Mm, it's a little stick to Or at least been near it. Yeah, and they created that. These same people who went over and then developed Pixar like had created caps. So all this animation that Disney's doing that uses the computer comes from like these guys at Industrial Light and Magic, right? And then they left for Pixar altogether. Um and so they're also another another thing that millennials and older will remember uh are some of the commercials that these guys made prior to Toy Story. When Pixar was trying to make a little bit of money, right? Trying to like stay open. Do you remember these two commercials, the gum commercial and the orange juice commercial? Uh, I think I remember the gum commercial. I probably don't remember the orange juice commercial. It was the gum one was like a stick of gum that was a CG animated stick of gum that like danced on a piano. And then the orange juice was really similar. It was the straw was computer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. He jumped into the orange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember seeing those on TV and being genuinely baffled. Yeah. Like I thought it w- it really looked real when they did something simple like a straw or a stick of gum. It was like I had no reason to believe that. I didn't know how they did it. Yeah. Because no one had seen computer animation before. Toy Story didn't exist. And Well, we, hadn't, we didn't that- have it to that extent. We had like random nonsense like the computer animated baby from Ally McBeal. Sure. But, yep. That that's a really good example, actually. Yeah. But nothing, uh, nothing to this this degree. Nothing with realism on the level that the orange juice commercial, or now that we're into Toy Story, like what we saw in Toy Story, and the the thing that I love most about the overall like story of how you know Lucas saw in them is like that's what this should be about is the 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 pushing of the artistic envelope. Mm-hmm. And not like, how much money can we fit in the envelope? It's yeah. like, you know, like it it shows a lot. First of all, like going from one to three, half of three, if you had, if that had been the first movie I'd ever seen in 1995, I would have thought that these people, this was real. I think people would have panicked. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I think if, no, if they, you could go back have. in time to 1995 and show any currently computer animated movie, even yeah. one that's not very good. Transformers. Anything that came out. No, but like a fully computer animated movie. Transformers is- I know. Know. I know what you mean. That would have that would have freaked people out on another yeah. level. But I honestly, like, this is the kind of thing where you mix, like, technology that's advanced enough is magic. Yeah. If you went back to 95 and, and showed them Toy Story 4, people, I think, would have genuinely panicked. Yeah. Um, I don't think they would have known like, what to do. No, people, really, we didn't know how it was being done. Like, yeah. when that gum commercial came out, I, I honestly, I remember viscerally being in my living room with my dad and saying, how did they do it? And he said, I don't know. Yeah. 
Like, I don't actually understand how that stick of gum is doing this. Um, And and for our like Gen Z audience, right, who weren't there for that, that must seem really surreal, right? For people who grew up and were oh, that that um, was just their common day. Yeah. yeah, we were only 10 when Toy Story came out, right? Yeah. Like we weren't that old. And it's still, I remember being like, I don't get it and being freaked out. And I can't, like, it must be really different to have grown up more so with this and like not been kind of like sentient and have memories from when it happened. Yeah. Uh, just and we're we're the generation that's right on the cusp of that where we can remember a time before Toy Story. But the, I genuinely think like, People would like John Lasseter would have been burned for a witch if Toy Story oh, yeah. had come out in nineteen ninety-five. Like it, we did not understand how this was possible. Here's another thing that's important for you guys to remember too, especially for those who were gamers. Remember mm-hmm. that the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, came out in December of nineteen ninety-four. Yeah. So we had games like Tomb Raider with her triangle boobs. And we had stuff like Crash Bandicoot <laughs> right. where they, he didn't have fingers. It was just like a square thing on his wrists. There was no level of detail like this movie presented. Yeah, this was it, – it genuinely baffled. Yeah. People honestly didn't know how it was possible. Um, and so it's crazy that Lucas invested in it. Like that being the context of this, you can kind of understand how Disney was just like, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And if you see um, like interviews with Tom Hanks from when he was – get it, when they were uh, like pitching Toy Story to him, they showed him some of the animation – he told he says in interviews that he's like, I went home and told my family, I can't explain it to you. I can't describe <laughs> yeah. like what they're doing. It's this amazing thing. And I don't know how to describe it. And can yeah. you imagine just not having the vocabulary to explain what a computer animated film not is? Not even like, that. Like not even having like the brain power to comprehend what you saw. Like I feel like that's, that's how, how everybody Yeah. Was. Like you're just you're kind of yeah. like I, I I got nothing. Like it's it's you crazy. Cannot overstate the impact that this had, like what a change this was yeah. it cannot be overstated. It was absolutely mind blowing. So, but all that being said, Lucas invests and then pulls out mm-hmm. for as great as he was and as instrumental as he was. And honestly, this is yeah. up there in Lucas's greatest contributions. Yes. Like, trust me, I respect some star Wars, but this is like an enormous contribution, potentially more so than, than star Wars yeah. was to Oh, just- no. So like story-wise it's on the level, man, like I just, in terms of what you contribute to, to society, getting Pixar off its feet might be bigger than star Wars. It is absolutely. Level. I 100%, yeah. I will say it till I die. I will sell every star Wars book on my shelf. If I have to, this is bigger than star Wars because star Wars is the franchise. It's the story, but someone would have thought of something similar at some point. The idea to do something like this and the wherewithal to put money in this, I'm going to say it now, probably. And I did say when we were talking about the Star Wars episodes, George Lucas has an eye for seeing stuff that is going to be huge in the future. Mm -hmm. He did it with this. He did it with maintaining the merchandising rights for Star Wars in 1977, which allowed him Mm -hmm. to literally build an empire. Be a billionaire. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's Yeah, absolutely. Like whether he stayed or not for the long haul, the fact that he came in to open the door for them is massive. Yeah, it is. And then even more massive in the person who really is given the credit for this, even though I, I think that getting them started is super important. Like so Lucas is there funding these commercials that we're talking about, right? He eventually pulls out because they're just not 
getting, they're doing short films, they're doing commercials, they're developing the technology, but they're just not quite there yet. He walks and in comes Steve Jobs. Yeah. Who is another like true visionary, right? Even if he was like a douchebag, like he, he was another guy who could see the potential and he lost millions of dollars a year keeping them in that office park mm-hmm. in Point Richmond. Yeah. And it paid off in the end, right? When Toy Story released, everybody said Steve Jobs is a genius. Those were the headlines. Yeah. We're just like, he is a genius for funding this um, because it took years of millions and millions of dollars of losses to get to Toy Story. Um, and then he was hailed as an absolute genius. And Steve Jobs was an integral part of the negotiations with Disney. So, see, here's my problem with that. Not my problem, but here's what I have like. I'm like, what? what? No, here, here's <laughs> here's my like my uh, my side road issue. The only reason that he's hailed that way is because it worked while he was there. For sure. If it worked when George was there, it would. They would. It, the headline would be like George Lucas does it again. Oh yeah, no question. And, I think I'm not mad about it because I get it. He left. He wanted results and he wasn't getting them the way he has, you know, he was expecting to get them. Yeah. That's on, that's on Georgie boy. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not like, you know, it's whatever. Um, And by this time, what? 95. By this time he's already working on Phantom Menace. So he's got his priorities completely elsewhere. It absolutely comes down to Steve stepping up and, not only like being the person that gave them that parachute, but being the person that kept putting wind under their parachute to keep yeah, them in the air. Yeah. That's. And you know who chose not to do that? Not Lucas. Uh, Disney. But Disney. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, like the crazy thing is that a, the whole plan from the beginning for Lassiter was to do this under the Disney yeah. umbrella. And they said no. So then it required these other incredible mm-hmm. investors and Disney's over there like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Right. They, so huge props. And I, I absolutely agree. Like I, if had Lucas stayed I, and I give him a ton of credit for keeping them where they were. Right. Like jobs got the credit when it happened. Cause he was the one who was there. Yeah, And, and that's fair. And he both. was rightfully there. So I'm not, I can't, I'm not mad about it. I just like, I think it's important to know that it isn't just him. And I think no, a lot I think of people it's do put it on, on. Yeah. Yeah. We got to remember Lucasfilm's involvement here and you can't forget about caps and render man and everything coming out of industrial light and magic. Like none of this happens without Lucas. So I absolutely think like, I agree with you. Like I would say that this is his biggest contribution to society, even if he wasn't there for the release of toy story. Um, and then the other guy who drove this of course is John Lasseter. Like I Lasseter is one I struggle with, with the controversy because like I obviously support him not being at Pixar anymore. But it's hard to um, not give props for his contribution to society, right? It's it's like separating those things is tough, and that's why I acknowledge that that happened. But Lasseter's the driving force here, and he partners with legends, Andrew Stanton of Finding Nemo and Dory, Wally, and A Bug's Life, and with Pete Docter, who did Monsters Inc. Up, Inside Out, and Soul. And these two are still at Disney, or, or sorry, are still at, at, at well, Pixar. Disney, Disney Pixar. Pixar. Yeah. yeah, it is now. Um, but those guys are still there at Pixar, and like it's amazing to see them getting these writing credits and stuff, and seeing their names on Toy Story. When Lasseter got the credit for that, he's the one who got the the Oscar and everything. But Stanton and Doctor were there, and like Pete Doctor is a fucking genius. Yeah. Pete Doctor is my hero. 
I love him. I am just like, Dude. he is a, an absolute genius. I love Pete Doctor. So the idea alone for Inside Out is uh dude that's my favorite pixar movie i it has to be mine too you guys don't understand as a kid who grew up literally living inside his imagination like the idea that in order to be or like to grow your like imaginary friend has to literally disappear yeah that was the hardest fucking thing for me to watch in that movie when he starts fading away and he's just like, take her to the moon for me. I was like, oh, my God, I'll take you to the moon, Big Bob. Sorry. <laughs> my hardest part was her when she creates the happy slash sad core yeah. memory when she has that sigh when mm-hmm. she's crying, but she feels better. Yeah. That part makes me want to cry right now. Anyway, Pete Doctor's a fucking genius. So is Andrew Stanton. And, and I love the way that they groom new directors at Pixar. That they really bring people up through, like, and set them up. Like, I actually don't think Pete Doctor is doing Inside Out 2. I think there's a new director on that. Um, and I'm like, okay. If he's not, like, he's like a creative those, consultant or something like that. Well, I'm sure yeah. he's the executive producer. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they're, they kind of, like, Pete Doctor, like, low-key runs, like, all of Disney now, doesn't he? Doesn't he have, like, some much higher, like, oversee, oversight animation role? Like, he's he's not directing films anymore. He's, like, running Disney Pixar. Like, Pete Doctor's... I'm yeah, he's the CCO sure. of uh, Pixar. Yeah. Did you just look that up? I did. Yeah, he's the CCO. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Yeah, like he's, yeah. He, anyway, fucking love him. <laughs> so those guys made this movie with him. And then in back to what we're talking about, which is like the history of Pixar. Mm-hmm. In 2000, after Toy Story 2 was made, they move on to the Pixar campus in Emeryville, which is like the coolest place yeah. in the fucking world. But all the way through Toy Story 2, they're just in that fucking office yeah. building in Point Richmond, just like, but now they have the campus and the Pixar campus is like very, very, very cool. Mm-hmm. I would, I would love to go there one day. I would too. I never had, even though I lived right there, I never went to the campus. I'm sure I could have done a tour or something, but yeah. I never thought to to go check it out. Um, next time I'm in NorCal, I will. So in the early days um, of Pixar, Pixar was responsible. Like they did have a partnership with Disney, right? Even though we have these other investors and this other stuff going on, there is a Disney partnership starting with Toy Story because Pixar needed distribution, Right. So they're doing a creation and the production of the films and Disney's handling marketing and distribution. And they really needed the Disney vehicle and Disney agreed to do it, but they fought for years. Um, Disney wanted to crank out like direct to VHS sequels and Toy Story 2 originally was going to go to VHS. It was. And before anybody else writes this or we jump any further. Yes, guys. Absolutely true. Everybody fucking knows it. Toy Story 2 literally did get deleted from the Emeryville servers. And it was absolutely saved on a single flash drive from a single animator. I'm not even going to bring that up on the second, on the episode when we get to Toy Story 2. But a lot of, I've, I, when people talk to me about like fun facts or whatever about Toy Story, it, that always comes up. And I'm like, everybody knows that. So I'm getting it out of the way right now. It's the lowest hanging. It's not even on the tree anymore, guys. It's on the ground, like the lowest hanging fruit. 
It's true that that literally happened, though. Yeah. Like, while they're working out of this fucking office block mm-hmm. in Richmond, they deleted Toy Story 2. But Toy Story 2 also got um, totally redone anyway. Like, they they were like, this yeah. sucks. And they had to pull Lasseter in, who at the time was not on the film. And mm-hmm. they had to pull him back in to redo it. But yeah. um, But they were, like, Pixar really didn't want Disney to have control of these characters because Disney yeah. wanted to make these direct to VHS sequels, which all of their sequels apart from rescuers down under had been direct to VHS or DVD mm-hmm. and they sucked. And everything Disney was doing at this point was starting to really suck. Like they were not. Yeah. Uh, They're on their way down at this point. It was not going great by 2000. Things were nose diving at Disney and Pixar was like, you're not taking our characters and fucking it up. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, but they also like needed Disney to market and distribute the movies and Disney needed them because they had fucking nothing on deck at this point. Right. So they didn't figure it out until 06 when Disney officially bought. Pixar. Yeah. When the whole actual purchase went through. I remember that. That was the year I graduated high school. I remember that. That was in Same. my yearbook as like Disney buys Pixar, which is crazy now because you think about it and it's like, we just had Disney buy Fox. Yeah. (laughs) So like, holy shit. That's been going on for (laughs) the last 12 years. 12. (laughs) I can't do math right now. 17 years. Uh, A long ass time. Yeah. It's the, is how long it's been. Um, but they they did figure it out, which was which was great because and they gave Pixar a lot of autonomy yeah. up in Emeryville. Like they kept their campus, they kept their thing, they're very separate. But they'd found a deal that worked for everybody because they really both needed one another. Um, there wasn't going to be the success that they have now if they hadn't had this partnership. There's just no shot. Yeah. Like they did, Pixar belongs with Disney, but Disney had to like swallow some pride and and like. But in any case, Steve Jobs became obscenely rich, and <laughs> for. Yeah. <laughs> for about a decade after that, uh, and and really the five years or ten years prior, actually, like Pixar just really dominated animation, and Disney yeah. started focusing on things like the Pirates franchise. Mm-hmm. And they weren't doing a lot of animation. No, actually, um, I think what we went from Atlantis to a dry spell of animation to the point that it was such a huge deal that. Princess and the Frog was traditional animation. Like it was part of the trailer that they told you Disney is going back to traditional animation. Cause we, by that point we, we expected it of them. We had Wally Incredibles up all of the toy stories, monsters, Inc, a bug's life. That's the, that's the animation world we lived in, in the two thousands. We didn't want, we weren't expecting traditional animation anymore. And I think that, speaks a huge deal to like just how quickly this became the norm for us. And most of the traditional animation that, that did come out of Disney was pretty bad. Like princess and the frog did better. It did better. But even up to that, we had Empress new Groove and brother bear. And like some of those are great. They're cult classics now, but if we look at it in the context of when it was coming out, nobody gave a fuck. Like I, no. Um, and then and that continued all the way up to 2010 when they found this balance where like Pixar's not the only people that can make a computer animated film and you don't have to make a computer animated film to have it be good. And yeah. that's when they made Tangled in 2010. And they were like, you know what? 
I do too. And and so does everyone else because that was the that was the resurrection of Disney. They were like, hey, actually, we don't have to suck. We have a great thing going in the Renaissance. Like, why did we start telling kind of different stories and like doing it? Like they stopped caring. They stopped putting that creative energy into what they were doing for a long time, at least into their animation sector. But Entangled, they came back and like did a great job and have continued to since. Like now we have this awesome balance where we get like the Disney formula movies like Moana and Tangled and Frozen. And like we get princess movies and we also get great stuff that's like different and outside the box like Wreck-It Ralph um, or uh, Big Hero 6 is a Disney movie, not a Pixar movie. And people forget that, right? And like, it's also a Disney Marvel started movie, doing great. which people don't know. I know, right? Yeah. Which is, it's all of the things. Um, but yeah, they've, they've found a good balance now, but it was really out of whack for a long time. Which I think we needed, honestly. If you really go back and look at it, like the, the state that we were in, let's say that the Pixar thing fizzles out, right? Like John Lasseter doesn't have the conviction to stick this out we're going to go into hercules and mulan and hunchback of notre dame and then at the turn of the century it falls apart for disney almost entirely they have nothing at this point but i think a big part of that is because pixar stepped up and people were like what the fuck dude stories with substance get the hell out of here well it was kind of like if they're the only game in town they can just yeah. crank out whatever bullshit and it doesn't matter and then all of a sudden they get this creative powerhouse in pixar that mm-hmm. this is a great segue into our next section that not only does it look unfathomably cool right like we said like really beyond people's understanding but that wasn't the only thing that made them stand out pixar just hits different like these movies are so this this was never about making a bunch of money or sticking to some formula or whatever for pixar like they were really there to tell incredible stories Mm -hmm. and and it could have been uh totally hand-drawn and done these same stories and it still would have blown Disney out of the water. Oh yeah, absolutely. That. Like I, it's not just about how it looks and, and Pixar is like known for its tear jerkers. And we have never said this about a Disney animated film, except for the Lion King when Mufasa dies and nostalgia factor. Right. Yeah. Like up to this point, don't, I don't think we don't cry at Disney movies just cause it's such a beautiful story. Not at this point. Like I'm not saying I don't cry during Moana. I do. But like, no, but that's, I think it's important to to say that though, because it's not just Disney. It's Disney Pixar at that point. It's because of Pixar's yeah, involvement right. that we are at that like, point. I love Sleeping Beauty. I, I it's one of my favorite Disney of all time. But there is nothing in that movie that makes me go. I can relate to that in my life. I'm gonna cry about that right now. Three, two, one, let's go. Right. But in Toy Story, was this? First of all, it was so easy to relate to this story Mm -hmm. that it blows my mind watching this now that it took us this long to tell real stories in Disney. Fairy tales are great and they're awesome and whatever, but I can't relate to a talking lizard and a guy who lost 99% of his God powers, but this kid that got a brand new toy and is devastated when they're missing. Oh, bad about it. I'm all over that. 
And I think yeah. that's where it starts getting Pixar had the right idea and they knew what they God, dude, Disney is so dumb. I know. Disney is so dumb. Pixar is telling grounded stories. Even Pixar's stories that are not grounded. Like I think Onward is a great example of this. Like oh, Onward is like it's so good and it's so out there, right? But the crux of Onward is a story about family yeah. and two brothers and loss and wanting that one more day with your parent that passed away. Yeah. Like I fucking relate to Onward. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's even when it's not grounded, it's it's stuff we can really understand and it doesn't necessarily have to be a love story. That's one of the things that's really different about yeah. Pixar. Like the stuff that's relatable about like the Disney animated movies. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I relate to Ariel wanting to like step Fun, up and be a yeah. grown up and I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Like we all relate to that. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's different it, because it's so sort of homogenous in the, in the way those stories were yeah. told, even though we love the Disney Renaissance, like Toy Story and Pixar, it just hits different. Like Toy Story is all about, unconditional like real love for infinity and beyond because the toys are immortal and like i'm not crying scott you're crying like well and you kind of hit hit on it a little bit a minute ago it's from this point on it's not about love stories it's not a romance thing anymore it's actually i'm trying to think about it uh i don't think there actually is a romance in any of the Pixar movies coming up except a bug's life. And that's like not even a B plot. That's like a D plot. Yeah, it just I happens that's, as a result of the, there. yeah. But like the Incredibles one, doesn't have it. Uh, Toy Story doesn't have anything like that. They do, but there's, there's relationships, but it's not a love. It's story. not. Yeah. Like Jesse and Buzz or, um, <laughs> You know, even Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, even though it's a much older, like they definitely have a relationship arc. Yeah, Bo and Woody. Um, The one that is, I think, actually going to be a love story for the first time in Pixar history is Elemental. For based on the trailer, I actually think Elemental might be a star-crossed lover story between the fire and the water elements. I'm here for that. Um. But you're right. It's not ever about love stories. Even Brave, which is the Brave when that came That's out. That's the, the antithesis to a love story, dude. But even I'm saying it's it's sort of a princess movie yeah. and it doesn't have a love yeah. interest. Right? Well, that's why but Frozen like was so year. radical, dude. Yes, that's so true. Like that was one of the big things in Frozen and in Moana. It was like, oh my God, there's no love story. It's like love's true kiss came from your sister. Like what? That changed lives. That was huge. I really really liked when Brave came out though because it was the same year as Wreck-It Ralph. And it was when like Disney made a Pixar movie and Pixar made a Disney movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think – oh man, dude. I – from 2000 on, I think I got to say we're in like a golden age of storytelling. Maybe not like we were, movies wise because there's some shit movies looking at you 2007 Transformers. But <laughs> um, no way, man. Like there you learn a lot from the movies that you can put yourself into. I can't put myself in Sleeping Beauty. I, I, I can't, you know. They're more grounded, they're more relatable, and they're a, like 
and you're right. It was a golden age of, of animation for sure. Like it changed the way animated stories were being told. Like it was just so much, so different. The stuff that was being focused on, you know, the story, it wasn't, it was just so different. All of them. Bugs Life was like fighting for your people. Like there was no Disney movie that was really about that, except I guess Mulan. Like it, you know, they were, but Mulan also hits different. We'll talk about that when we get there soon. But it, it, Toy Story in particular is about play and innocence and finding yourself in the world. And like, it's, it's still you crying and not me. And <laughs> yeah. I just, it's like, it's so powerful. Um, and then told on such a, a relatable level. And, and it also has this like sharp humor that's really reminiscent of like Aladdin. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's, more clever because of how grounded it is like the the staff meeting is the great example of this in the beginning of toy story right and they're like every it's it's so funny because it's so real like and it is this like serious meeting in the playroom to talk about moving yeah have a moving buddy and all that stuff and they're talking about andy's birthday they're like hey the birthday party's today we thought it was next week it's today all the toys are coming it's like this really serious thing but it's like these classic toys having this like this intense conversation and meeting. And I love when they talk about the plastic erosion awareness class that they had. Taught by Mr. Speak and Spell. It's like so corporate. And I love that. Like, that's what makes Toy Story really funny is like Robin Williams was doing this like meta humor in Aladdin. That was funny. Yeah. But this is like that, but actually in that setting. Yeah. It's almost like, like, make you know what it is for me too is like the on the nose humor like they're toys but they can do things that we can't but use turn of phrases that were like buzz can you come up here and give me a hand and he just throws his arm up there (laughs) like that shit cracks me up and i that's it's something that they couldn't do before now because it wouldn't have made sense there's no way you could do something like that yeah they use the like it's just very smart Right? It's the kind of humor that I like. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? I don't believe that young man has ever been to medical school. <laughs> yeah, no, right? <laughs> it's that's what I like about Pixar's the humor is smart. It's so much better than like a goofy movie to me. Like the kind of thing that yeah. I find funny, like this is that. It's so much more funny to me than like slapstick. Um and which a lot of even like good Disney has like some like slapstick humor. Like that's what's funny in the little mermaid or in like Cogsworth gets smacked in the face, you know, like it's stuff like that. And and this is so much smarter. Like I like when Woody says that I can't use the word I'm searching for because there's preschool toys oh, present. Yeah. <laughs> and he calls toys. Buzz. He calls Buzz Mr. Lightbeer. Oh Yeah. <laughs> And he is canon banging Bo Peep in this movie. Yeah, like this this Toy Story movie is more adult than the other Toy Story movies. Yeah. They're really going for an edgy thing in this, mm-hmm. which is why it was so weird that she just like disappears. But then they talk about in the th- third one. In the third one, yeah, they say, oh, we've lost a bunch of people along the way. Because the third yeah. movie opens with Andy as a teenager, so they're like locked away in the box, and they're like. Um, they're saying, yeah, we've lost a lot of people on the way. And they're like, even Bo. Yeah, even Bo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they steal his cell phone and hide it inside the toy box. Yeah, they call. No, they call 
his phone. They, and they in, call him from the house phone yeah. inside the toy and the cell phone's in the toy box and yeah. he like opens it up and sees them for a second. Operation Playtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this one's like, it was super, super edgy, which takes us into talking like 45 minutes later into the actual movie. Yeah. So, Scott, who's the bad guy in Toy Story? Jealousy. <laughs> right? It's it's Woody, yeah, right? Yeah, it's uh you know what it is? Like there's it sucks because now we're gonna get into this like existential discussion about it because I was probably one of the only people when I watched this when I was a kid that was like, damn dude, Sid's life is fucked up. Not Sid is fucked up, Sid's life is fucked up. Like he's neglected. He very clearly no one in that house gives a shit about what he's doing. But at the same time, like I never thought he was the bad guy. I thought I always thought it was Woody. Woody is absolutely the bad guy. Yeah. Like, and do you want to get into Sid now or? No, I mean, I don't really have much else to say about it. Just he. I'm like, let's, yeah, let's just talk yeah, about let's Sid. Let's just talk while about Sid here. while we're here. He is a product of. You know what it is? It's a foiled Andy. Andy doesn't have uh, a dad, which we actually, to this day, four movies in, have no idea where his dad is. We're going to talk about that Mm. in Rumor Requirement at length. Hard. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I have lots of thoughts about that. He is like canon dead. Oh, shit. Okay. Sid's dad is a drunk who fell asleep on the couch eating a cake. Yeah, Sid definitely has a dad, and yeah. he's being totally neglected. He also has a mom because we hear his sister yell at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still like extremely neglected. Yeah, I always wondered too if he was like a reason that then they were leaving. Well, no, they're they're leaving because because uh, Andy's dad died. But we'll we'll get into it. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> that's why they're moving. There's actually pictures on the walls in the house of a kid that looks like Andy, but clearly isn't. He wears glasses. Uh, And so I believe that it is canon that they are living in Andy's dad's childhood home, that like, that's the house that they are growing up in. That's like the family home. That's And they're moving because he's dead. Yeah. So we'll get into, we'll get into that, but uh, that's, (laughs) that's pretty canon. What's going on with Andy's dad, but Sid has both his parents and they allow him to have this insane workbench in the house where he just tortures toys. Like, and blow shit up in the backyard. Like, the backyard is riddled with destroyed toys. Like, wouldn't you freak out if your kid was doing this? Like, up, like mutilating dolls and stuff, even in a world where they're not alive. Like, it's kind of like murdering small animals. Like, we're, like, definitely in serial killer territory. He is one squirrel in a tree away from being a mass serial killer at this point. Like, from turning that page. And that, I... It, yeah, it... By the way... That absolutely is Sid at the beginning of Toy Story 3. He's not the driver at the end when they put Lotso Huggin' Bear on the truck. He's the one that picks up the trash bags. Okay, so that helps me because, yeah, it's the, it does seem canon that he is the kid picking up the trash bags. He's wearing the same shirt. He's wearing the same shirt. shirt, and he's just a little bit older. Yeah. 
yeah, he's like a teenager, right? He's like Andy's mm-hmm. age. He's they're the same age kid. Yeah. Or Sid might be a little older than Andy. I actually think he that is. makes sense. Like at this yeah. point, Sid is out of high school while Andy's graduating, but Sid didn't go to college. He's the trash guy. I wouldn't say he's out of high school. I think he's a little I would say he's probably about eighth grade or freshman freshman. No, in no, high no, school. no, no. Sorry. In in Toy Story Three when he's Oh doing yeah, trash. no, he's out of high school for sure. He's yeah, been out for he's a while. Older than Andy. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, he's not in college in Toy no. Story One. That's no, obviously no. not. In <laughs> Toy Story like, Three. What? In Toy yeah. Story Three, I think when Andy is graduating, I think Sid's been out of school for a couple of years. Yeah, most uh, definitely. And he's so he's the guy loading the truck, but he's not the one who pins Lotso to the front. Because no. I was going to say, doesn't that not make sense? It like, would. That'd be funny as hell. Scared of toys. Mm. No, because I think he would be nice to the toys. Yeah. Like I don't well, that's think what that I'm Sid saying. would that's, do that. Yeah. I think he's been so scarred. I don't think he would strap toys to the front of the truck. No. But I do wonder, like. Do you think that he spent the rest of his life after Toy Story 1 in therapy, like convincing himself that the toys coming alive never happened? Or did he try like hell to communicate with every toy he ever saw after He that? probably like majorly changed his ways, like big time. And we, I mean, honestly, we see the beginning of that when he goes inside and he is just abruptly mortified of his sister's toy. Like, do you think that he like? I don't think he went to. to I think he tried to repress that shit. Yeah, he repressed the shit out of that. Because I could also see a future where Sid like gets over his fear and then spends the rest of his life like convinced that this happened, but no one believes him and like trying to talk to every toy that he can try to talk like to try and prove that it was really happened. And then I'm wondering if a toy finally would have talked back and now like adult Sid like knows the truth. So like, is that possible? I want to know. It could be, but I feel like that would ruin the entire story of toy story. Like the point is that they are for the kids and they are supposed to be there when they're needed. They're not supposed to be a magical because that, that, at that point it becomes like a magical friend. Right. Well, and I like to think that Sid in the future might have been like, uh, is it is it Seth MacFarlane uh, who does Ted? And it's just like this adult man who has like a teddy teddy bear bear that came to life. God, that's I like to think that that's Sid. That Sid is just like no, like this is he just sits and smokes weed with like his fucking GI Joes. Yeah, I can yeah, hundred percent like that he. He just like kept trying until some toy finally yeah. talked back to him. Like just you see him just like holding up every doll he finds, being like, I know you're real. Admit it. Admit the truth. Like, or did he spend his life in therapy trying to like decide that this never happened? Like trying to convince himself that he hallucinated that. No, I think he went to therapy. Absolutely. I think he went to therapy. And that's first of all, he looks like he's in real good spirits when we see him in the third one. He's like jamming out, he's picking up trash, he's enjoying what he's doing. He's not like, oh, I hate my job. He's just like yeah. living life or whatever. But this is me like picking at breadcrumbs to build a story. But you know what I would have liked though about Sid? I would have liked him to have been the bad guy in the second one. But then we get that storyline in Ted where the guy is like, I want you to be my friend. I would I would have it would I would have expected the villain in the second one to be Sid trying to prove to Andy that his toys are real. Like, dude, what the now fuck? That's, see, I think that would break the like fun as it is to think of. I think that would break the story. Yeah. Like that's not what it's about. No, I know, right? and that's what I'm saying. Like, I like the route they went, but in my brain, thinking about like the way that this ends for Sid, I feel like that would have been the logical conclusion. 
that he's like, I've got to fucking tell somebody else. But he's also like majorly. First of all, if this kid really is in eighth grade and you saw a bunch of toys that you tortured to the backyard just come crawling to life and starting to come at you, you better believe I'm shitting my dad's pants in the house. Like, yeah. there's no shot I'm ever going back outside. <laughs> I'm never going to Toys R Us. I'm never going to KB Toys. Holy crap, dude. No, not a chance in hell. I become the most fluent book reader on the face of the earth. Books can't hurt me. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. I I would love like a Sid sequel of like what happened. Like to a him short of that, like but... what happened to him. Yeah. Not even like a yeah. full movie, but ooh, maybe that's what but the fifth one will be, be about. <laughs> It wouldn't be very like it breaks the immersion of Pixar to have like an adult like hunting us down or somebody like really trying to question what's going on with the toys like the humans noticing that like really breaks what the story is. So it is kind of crazy that this is what happens at the end of Toy Story that like Sid's made aware of toy sentience. It's like a whole different rabbit hole that's just not in the vein of Pixar. But like, I would like to see that movie get made like 50 years from now when this enters the public domain. Like, that would be cool, right? Like, when this becomes public domain and it's 100 years from now or whatever, like, that would be kind of sick, right? Like, think about, like, as much as I obviously vehemently hate and don't think anyone should be allowed to see Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, that should be illegal. But, um, nope, illegal. Throw them in jail. Um, but Matt and I are totally seeing that. No, throw them in jail. I heard it was terrible. Got like a 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, is it already out? Shit. Okay. I, I, I think so. Yeah. No, you can't. No, I no, don't go see that movie. You, but. Throw them in jail. But Winnie the Pooh is, you know, 80 years old, yeah. right? So I would be super down to see like 80 in 80 years or however long it is that, for, you know, see Toy Story enter the public domain and have someone make that story about Sid. I'm here for that. Like an adult live action, like, what did you, what happened to this kid after this? Anyway, so so back to the actual bad guy. Sid could be easily mistaken for the bad guy, but the real bad guy of Toy Story is Woody. And there's a great sort of like analogy to be made here, like an allegory between like Woody representing Disney and Buzz representing Pixar in this whole thing. Um. Like Buzz is like the cool new toy that was going to make the old thing obsolete. And then the old thing gets all worked up about it and acts like a dick. Yeah, it does. But then they figure it out together and make a bunch more awesome movies. <laughs> like that's totally what's happening here, right? This is like yeah, this awesome allegory of Disney and Pixar's relationship between Woody and Buzz. Um, But it's kind of like, I think this is like why this is such incredible storytelling and why it was so different from what we'd seen in Disney, where our main character is the bad guy. Um, And it's not some weird, like, turning stories on their head, let's tell it from the bad guy's perspective, like a Maleficent. Like, Woody is both the protagonist and the antagonist of this movie. Like, this is existential. It is this, like, deep intellectual thing around your good guy is the bad guy is the good guy. And it's, it's cool to see. It's like a really, really different story. Like none of this happens if not for Woody's insecurity. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. You said at the beginning, Woody thinks he's King shit of fuck mountain. And like, it's an upset to his entire lifestyle. But 
I think that, I don't know. Like, I think the best part about their dichotomy is Woody doesn't care. It's, Woody doesn't want to be Andy's toy. That's weird. I don't know what I clicked. Uh, you mean Buzz? Buzz, sorry. Yeah, Buzz toy. doesn't want to be Andy's toy. He wants to get back to the delusion that he's living under. And I think that's like, I think in the end, that's what helps Woody realize this isn't about me. This isn't even about Buzz. This is about we have to be there for Andy. Yeah. And the whole front half of the movie is this like crazy power struggle where Woody's like, he's such an asshole. Yeah. It, and and actually they had to kind of redo a lot of this um, because he was a bigger asshole in the original cuts. Like even Hanks was worried about it. He was so unlikable. Yeah. He was just mean and snarky and just like cruel. And you still see a I was lot gonna of say, it. He kind of is still an asshole in the movie. But it was way worse. If you see some of the clips of like his lines and stuff, like he was just like so freaking mean. Yeah. And he was also physically bigger the way he was made originally. Um, he was huge. He was like way bigger than Buzz. Yeah. That's like weird. it's, yeah. Um, yeah. You got to watch the Pixar story on Disney Plus, that documentary. Yeah. Where you, you can see a lot of these original clips. Where, like he's so negative and so mean. And, um, but he really grows and changes through the franchise, but you're right. Like in this, there's a wicked power struggle because where some of the sort of dramatic irony here is that's, that kind of goes almost unsaid, but it's really well done is that to be the favorite toy Mm -hmm. is to run the room. Woody is in charge because he's the favorite toy. That's why he's in charge of Andy's room and the other toys. That's why he's the leader is because he's Andy's favorite. And so Buzz doesn't know this, right? Buzz thinks he's a space ranger. He's planning to go home back into space. He has no idea what about what the fuck is going on until the very end of the movie. But Woody is so deeply insecure about losing that power position and the other toys understand it too. Like everybody but Buzz knows that the problem here is that Woody is not going to be president of Andy's room anymore. <laughs> and yeah. like that's the problem. That's and that's where Woody loses sight of his true purpose. Right. Um, but where I think you're right, and what's really interesting is that like even after Buzz realizes that he's a toy, and we'll talk more about Buzz in a minute, yeah. but into the second, third, and second and third, because once they're in Bonnie's room, it's a little different. But in the second and third movies, like Buzz and Woody are definitely partners. They're definitely like equally favorite toys. Like you see at the end of Toy Story 1, Andy's room now has this balance of Buzz and Woody memorabilia, right? Yeah. Like it's, they're kind of like equal favorites ish. Although I think the third movie makes it clear that Woody was always the real yeah. favorite. But Buzz always defers to Woody's leadership in the room. There's never like he lets Woody be in charge. Uh, He never is coming for his spot. And we see Woody has this like deep insecurity around his leadership of the other toys all the way into Toy Story 4 when he's in Bonnie's room Mm -hmm. and he's like trying to make like call the shots in that room. And what's her? I don't remember her name, but the one who actually is the favorite toy, the one who actually runs the room in Bonnie. Oh, the ragdoll. Yeah, she's always like, Woody, she tells him at one point, she's like, we talked about this, like, you don't need to, like, I I can handle this part, like, you're not in charge, you're not, like, you're not the favorite toy, you're not in charge of this room. Uh, so that's his whole struggle, 
right? Like Woody cares about his leadership position amongst the toys in the first movie, at least as much as he does about Andy. Yeah. And he's like losing sight of what's really important. Right. Yeah. I mean, would you say that Woody is the main character or is it like between Woody and Buzz? No, Woody's the main character through all four movies and like, well, Woody absolutely is the main character in the second one. The whole plot is about him. And the fourth movie, Buzz is barely even in it. The other, like Jesse's not really in it. Like it's all yeah. of that. That movie could have been called Woody. I've seen arguments for this that it should have been <laughs> Toy Story for. It should have been called Woody, Woody yeah. and, which would have worked. Yeah, but yeah, Woody is absolutely the main character of all four movies. Like this is his arc. Like Buzz does most of his character growth in movie one. Yeah, Woody is the one who's like dealing with these existential questions. All the way through. So yeah, I would absolutely say he's the main character of of all of them. And it's what makes him like the fact that he's like the anti-hero of the first movie yeah. is sets up the rest of his character growth. Like he comes a long way in this movie, but he still has shit to learn about what it means to be a toy and what who he wants to be. And and like there's it part of the Pixar theory. Are you familiar with the Pixar theory? That all of the movies are interconnected. Yeah. yeah. Um, part of that is that Woody is one of the only, is the only toy to have a soul, but so Buzz, (laughs) Buzz, Buzz is my favorite. Who's your favorite? If we're just going off the first one, yeah, it's probably, it's probably Woody. I think cause Woody learns the most. Like, yeah, but, but I love buzz. Cause I love that buzz just has to like, well, no, see, I can't even say that. Cause what buzz learns as much as Woody does. Woody learns more over four movies buzz, but they have very different, but complimentary arcs, but like years of Academy training wasted. wasted. That was so funny. Yeah. I think a big part of it is. He has to like, so they all know their toys. They acknowledge they're in this world. Woody is just about like, I have to, I just have to get back to this. Buzz is like, you're all insane. That's not who I am. Like, bye. Like, yeah, I'm a space ranger. Yeah. And so he has this like identity crisis that I think is like the hardest part of this movie for Buzz is realizing that the Star Command uh, information on his wrist is a sticker. Yeah, when he pulls the sticker off, it's so heartbreaking. And it's it's a genius choice by the writers to have this be the plot. Like, because it helps us understand, like, what does it mean to be a toy? Like, what is the purpose of being a toy? Like, all of those thematic things. Like it's good. It's, it's written really well. The theme ties in with the plot. Like when we know from doing this podcast, that is not always the case. No, not <laughs> like at sometimes all. it's like a simple <laughs> thing that makes writing good that I'm like, man, how long has it been since we saw this workout? Like Aladdin didn't do it. Like it yeah. just, it's so nice to see that. And yeah, Buzz is just like destroyed. Like we are all mentally at the tea party <laughs> with Mrs. Nesbitt. Like, he is just ruined by this realization. Oh it's amazing God. watching him figure this out. And then 
And then Woody gives him that speech, right? Yeah. He's like, you're not just a toy. You're a really cool toy. Like, I'm so jealous of you. Like, Buzz goes through this thing where he feels like, oh, shit. Like, I suck, right? He's like, he finds out that he's not a space ranger. And he's like, I'm worthless. Like, I'm just a toy. Like, what the fuck is my life worth? And Woody's like, it's worth so much. You're the coolest toy. Like, that's why I've been jealous and mad at you this whole time is because you're so much cooler than me. And now you think that you're a piece of shit because you realize what you are. <laughs> that's the thing that I've been jealous of. Like, what the fuck? Like that. And and Woody gives him the speech and and they both kind of remember together. Right. Buzz is empowered by it. And Woody also is like, oh, yeah, like I get it. But Buzz is able to like. Just because he's a toy doesn't mean that he's not like powerful or capable or the awesome space yeah. ranger that he has always thought that he is. Like he actually is this badass toy. Like physically, Buzz can do way more than the other toys. Like Buzz is the one that like gets them out of uh out of the rainbow room, right? Or whatever in Oh, in the, in this, in the third one, yeah. Well, Buzz gets captured, to be fair, but he's the one who's able to get out the window. Like Buzz is like so capable and badass, and I love how Woody's speech helps him like embody this like identity and just claim it and be like no actually i am a dope space ranger and a toy and i can be both i can do things. both yeah and it's yeah. cool like he coming to terms with that too like at the end when he's like this isn't flying this is falling with style it's like okay he knows who he is now like he's acknowledged like what what he yeah. told him and like it's true but he also wants to like still help yeah it doesn't mean that he's not great yeah just the fact that he's a toy doesn't mean that he's not still the coolest and just as capable and just as much a space ranger as as he always thought that he was and i love in the later movies and maybe even later in at the end of toy story yeah. one but where woody always calls him space ranger like they call each other sheriff yeah, and space sheriff ranger. and space ranger god dude this movie is and i love that that woody ultimately over the course of all these movies and I think it's good that we have all four of them. I really do. Like, I think Woody's arc closes in the fourth one. Yeah. As much as I didn't feel like we needed it at the time, when I think about it, I'm like, yes, dude. Like, I, this this whole thing is so cool where they acknowledge that, like, yeah, we're toys, but you're still a space ranger, man. Yeah. Like, Woody owning that and Buzz stepping into it, like, it's just so <laughs> good. It's so good. And, and this whole, like... The toy's purpose, right? Yeah. Like being there for the kid is the toy's purpose. This is what like brings them together in the end and mm-hmm. like is the crux of all of these movies. But in this first one, it's like a revelation. Yeah. Like in the other three movies, it's like the driving motivation of like, we know this thing to be true and therefore everything else that happens in the movie. But in this movie, the the climax of it is is really understanding that for the audience and for the toys. Um, and yeah, it's a very, very, and obviously buzz, like we said, fits into it, but it's what makes toy story so existential. And I think therefore so good for all ages, like why people of all ages have always loved it. Like, it's not like the Disney movies that were like, yeah, it's a kid's movie, but I can, but it's funny. Like Aladdin. Yeah. Like it's good. And I like it, but it's a kid's movie. This does not have to be a kid's movie. No. And it, it has stuff for everybody like it has like if you're an adult you know for a fact like Bo Peep and Buzz or Bo Peep and Woody are like shacking up together 
Dude, it's like canon. It's yeah. clear. It's like in the movie. There's nothing about this, and I think it not being a musical plays into this. Big time. But there is nothing about this movie that makes it a kid's movie. There's not even like a Minions type character. No. That's like, oh, that's here for the kids. Yeah. Or like a hey, hey. That's not here. I mean, I guess technically the You can say it about Rexy or the, min- uh, the little alien dudes from The Claw. That's what I was good. That's what I mean. The little alien guys. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that I think are the most like there for the kids. Like you've saved our lives. We're eternally grateful. <laughs> We're but eternally grateful. <laughs> adults loved that. There's nothing about this movie. Like you could, you could put Toy Story out and not market it to kids and ju- just say it's an adult movie and no one would question you. The only thing that's like yeah. makes it a kid's movie is the fact that it's animated. Mm-hmm. And it, it really was not. Like it really is for everybody. Yeah. And the thing that makes it so great for adults and so relatable for adults through all four movies is the existential stuff, right? So it's like, what does it mean to be a toy? What is a toy's purpose? What happens if you don't have your kid anymore? Yeah. What does it mean to be a lost toy or a broken toy or a favorite toy or a replaced toy or a forgotten toy or a toy made of trash? Like, what does that mean? Like, what is the reason for living? What's the purpose? of our lives like that's what toy story is about which is so (laughs) fucking heavy like it's like what yeah but that's all just that's why we love this franchise and and also pixar in general is this existential stuff like what is what does it really mean to be alive and you have got to watch soul yeah i'm probably gonna watch it what is your purpose oh yeah Mm. all right so that's what soul is about tonight it's like do you have a purpose or do you have uh like what does purpose mean is kind yeah. of what soul is about. Like how do you define having a purpose and how do you interpret that and how does it impact your life on earth? And like soul is really, really, really good. Yeah, then I'm watching um, it after we finish this. I well I the thing is like do. it came out during the the pandemic, so I never heard anything about it. Oh, I heard all the buzz. There was tons of buzz when it came oh. out. It was like but it was one of the first movies, like because Onward went out, came out in theaters. I saw Onward in theaters at the very start of the pandemic, oh, okay. um, like before lockdown, like in February when it came out, or early early March of 2020. But then Soul did not come out in theaters, and it was like the first gotcha. one. Gotcha. Um, but it was still got a lot of buzz. It was really good. It was just people were getting used to like, wait, this was released where, when, yeah. what happened, like. If Soul had come out outside the pandemic in theaters, it would have changed lives. Like it's really, really, really good. Um, Damn, dude! But, I feel like so many movies got had to deal with that. Like, if it, if this hadn't come out in yeah. the pandemic, kind of thing. Yeah, it would have been different. Well, if you look at like just how much money the industry makes now, it's so much less because people are waiting well, and not going yeah. out. But, um, what I really like about the existential crisis in this one is how they use this existential idea of what is our purpose? What does it mean to be a toy to bring Woody and Buzz onto the same page for the third act? And they come from totally different directions through the same path, right? So Woody is like super cynical, right? He's reached the top of the playground. There's like nowhere to go but down and he knows it, Mm -hmm. right? Like he's scared of losing his position of power and he's in crisis when he sees that downfall coming when Buzz gets introduced to the room, right? So he feels like threatened and he forgets his purpose. But in the end, he overcomes that fear and jealousy because Buzz helps him remember the true purpose of a toy is to like be there for Andy because he has to explain that to Buzz. And then he's like, oh, shit, I forgot this too. Hang on. Wait, I haven't been acting by this, this law. Um, 
And then Buzz is like all pure innocence and optimism. And he goes into crisis when he learns like, I'm just a toy, not a space ranger. And I don't know what my purpose is now. And then he overcomes that like existential dread because Woody helps him understand what it means to be a toy and it gives him purpose. Yeah. And they come together during that speech and it's like so fucking well done. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, it's the understanding part of it. Like, you know, like if I have to, if so, like this is a hundred percent movie, right. And everybody knows that this is an 11 out of 10 for me. I assume this is an infinity symbol out of 10 for you, but. I gave it an 11 because I've given some weird ratings lately. Yeah. So I tried to like, kind of <laughs> keep it like rain, I mean, like, rain it in. out of hand. Yeah, I needed to kind of like we have to have exceptions <laughs> to the rule. It can't just always be like something insane. So I, I'm giving it an eleven, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Toy Story three gets turned up to a twenty five. Yeah, I think the second one, it, like this, I don't know, man. The one fault that I have to find with these is that it falls under this same like tropey McTrope face that the flash falls under where every time a new friend is introduced, it's actually the bad guy. And I'm like, dude, don't touch the fucking like the prospector in the second one turns out to be the bad guy. Lots of hug and bear welcomes him into the daycare. And then he turns out to be the bad guy. Like it, I don't know why it just like, it's this weird, that's the only, and that's not even a big deal. Cause I'm like, okay, cool. That creates conflict. And they, they're trying to find a home or they're trying to get back to their home. And it also gives each of the villains insane levels of depth. Prospector just wants to not be played with and be admired the whole world over because of the space ranger toys. He wants to be the center of attention. He's Woody. If Woody never learned his lesson, that's the thing. Yeah, that's for real. Yeah. That's very, that's actually, that's a really great point. Yeah. I would also say that while that is mostly true, is only true 50% of the time. Because in the first movie, we get Woody as the antagonist. Cause yeah. It's, and then in the second movie, yes, it's the prospector. But the real antagonist in the second movie is like the existential dread around should I or should I not go home? Yeah. Like he, and honestly, it's like the chicken man is the bad guy as much as anything else. It's like a lot of like oppositional forces, Mm -hmm. but the real conflict there is like Woody trying to decide what he wants to do. And then in the third one, I think you're more right. Like Lotso is more a bad guy than an antagonist or a barrier, the way that I think Prospector and the chicken guy are like antagonist barriers, but they're not necessarily the bad guy. Lotso is the bad guy, definitely. That one is where it's most true. And then, because they pretty quickly are like, I don't actually want to be here. And Lotso forces them. Well, yeah. And then you find out Lotso was abandoned. He was a toy that, and then when they finally got home, they had just bought him another bear. And, um, which that's, that's the stuff that creates problems for me. Like questions in my head, like, Does that Lotso, that's just a regular good Lotso, right? Yeah, I think all toys are different just like people are. Just because you're a Lotso doesn't mean – or a Buzz doesn't mean you're the same Buzz. Right. Um, Well, and we see that in the second one when he meets – yeah, because he meets the other Buzz and they take him with him to the elevator. That Buzz hasn't woken up yet. That Buzz also thinks he's still Buzz Lightyear, which I think is is something that happens with toys that are based on characters and have that description on the back of their box rather than being generic, like that they somehow absorb that into their beings. That's true because Lotso doesn't have a backstory. No, he's just a bear. Like I I think they're – as far as we know anyway. But 
but yeah, I, I think that that's kind of what we've been saying is like toy story is really about these existential questions, like this whole franchise and all, and also all of Pixar, Mm -hmm. but, but toy story is especially is about these existential questions because it's not really like, yeah, Lotso is the bad guy. It's like, no, the bad guy is a question of abandonment because the whole reason that the toys at all want to stay at Sunnyside at the daycare is because they think Andy abandoned them rather than trying to put them in the attic. They didn't believe Woody about that. They thought Andy threw us out. And so now fuck that. Right. And that's the same thing that Lotso is like, no, we were abandoned. So fuck that. Like that's the existential theme of Toy Story 3 is abandonment. And also like, what does it mean to like, to move forward, right? And Andy's, and when your kid grows up and like, what does that next stage of your life look like, right? And and Toy Story 2 is really about the same thing. Like all of these movies, the crux of them is about what does it mean to be a toy? What is my purpose as a toy? What do I do do as my kids get older and I don't? And what is my purpose then when I just sit in this toy chest and no one's playing with me? What is my purpose? Mm -hmm. And all of the movies are about that. And the one we didn't touch on is Toy Story 4, where the bad guy is definitely Gabby Gabby. But it's yeah. the bad guy is also being alone, being an abandoned mm-hmm. toy, being a toy who doesn't have an owner. And what are the different ways that that can present, right? Like yeah. you have very different things in the way that the different toys handle that situation for themselves. So Toy Story overall is all about existentialism. There's The bad guys are just there to um, emphasize those existential the importance questions. of the story, right? It's like, yeah, they're barriers, and they emphasize the existential dread and the themes, and it's why Toy Story is consistently written so well, and why I'm not mad at Toy Story Four because I think those are important questions to explore. Like, what happens when you're done being a kid's toy? Yeah, <laughs> in this infinite life yeah. that is being a toy, what happens when you're done? Now, what is your purpose? It's all about purpose. so incredibly well done it is well and it just goes on man like you constantly are being presented with this like you know they have to deal with you know what happens when andy leaves what happens when bonnie gets older like they have to do this all over again and that's what or do they that's why toy story 4 is so good or do they? well that's what i'm saying like it's that's why it's that's why i didn't hate it as much as I thought I would, because I was like, again, I didn't think we needed it. But watching it, I'm just like, okay, they they can go do something else. They can acknowledge, like, they don't have to be around all the time. Yeah, there's more to being a toy. And that's why the theory says that, like, Woody has a soul because yeah. he's made this choice. It didn't just happen to him and he's okay with it, like Bo. Uh or or it happened to him and he's not okay with it like Gabby Gabby. Like he chose that, like lost toy life. He had yeah. every opportunity to go home to Bonnie and he chose himself, which is what we think gives him a soul. Um, and some people think that he might have uh, 22's soul from Soul. Go watch that movie. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm gonna have to check There's so much shit for you to see in Soul. I'm definitely going to so watch good. it after this. Absolutely. Um, I hope so. you every time we record, Scott, you say you're going to go watch a thing. And I usually do. That's what I did with Gilmore Girls. One time. One time. But no, but I, I, I was, I'm with you. Like, I didn't feel like we needed Toy Story 4 when it got announced, but I'm not sorry that we had it. Like, I actually think like, yeah, there actually is more to explore in a toy's like life cycle, which 
that being said, let's go into the room requirement and talk about Toy Story 5, and then we can talk about yes. Woody's origins, which is the other yeah. thing I want to – like some of the theories I want to talk about for room requirement. Um, sorry, this episode's 10, 10 hours long. No, but that's fine. <laughs> so, so they have announced Toy Story 5. This is in the works at Pixar. They announced it just last month, like February of 23. Okay. And they also are announcing Frozen 3 and, and Inside Out 2. What I want from Toy Story 5 is more for Buzz. I don't actually need yeah. to see Woody in the movie. Well, and I don't think he should be in the movie. I, no. I don't think he should be in it at all. We know. See, here's the thing. Like, we know enough about Woody now. And now his story really is over. He is not a kid's toy anymore. It yeah. needs to be something about Buzz dealing with something. But it can't be just like a rehash of like now Buzz isn't the most popular toy or now another new space toy comes in. It can't be no, anything like that. Cause it has to be a different level of exploration of like, yeah. you know what I think would be crazy it. cool because this was mm-hmm. something that happened to me when I was a kid. If Bonnie took toys to like school or whatever and traded them for a different toy. Whoa. Cause that happened when, like, when I was a kid. Just given away. Yeah. That would be horrifying. I know. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the story that, is. I think it something that's like I, that we can't come up with it because we don't work at Pixar. Yeah, not yet. And and this is why you know Pixar is great because when we do like the Disney movies that we're digging into themes and stuff, we can always think about what we want yeah. to see, what kind of story, what kind of themes, what kind of arc. Like we always have an idea. Mm-hmm. But I don't with Pixar and I just trust them to know what the right, th- like what there is left to explore. I trust them not to make any movies just for the money. I really do. Yeah. I, 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 I only think they make a movie if they have a good fucking idea. Well, and you, I mean, a hundred percent, like we know that for a fact, if you go through there and you look at like soul and onward and brave, these aren't movies that they were like, these are going to be box office smashes, dude. They were just like, I want to tell this fucking story. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that speaks volumes to and like we said at the beginning too, it was it's like this massive wake up call that Disney had to had to undergo. Yeah, Pixar's success is based on their being creative and they're making stories that people want to see and that are impactful. They don't make sequels just to make the sequel. The the closest one to that, I think, is Finding Dory, but when I like on rewatch, yeah. I actually really like Finding Dory. I don't like, have any not, problems with I, Finding Dory. When I first saw it, it felt like it was just a paycheck. Like it was just like, yeah, just make Andrew Stanton's like, we'll just make another movie because yeah. it's popular. Um, and I thought that when Toy Story 4 was announced too, but I don't think it's actually true of either of them. I actually think they don't really do these. They don't make movies that don't need to be made. So I trust Toy Story 5 to be really, really good. I would like to see a Buzz and Jesse like love story. Yep. Um, yep. Like that would be great. I want to see socks as a toy. Socks the cat from Lightyear. Oh, that would be like how awesome. The fuck is there no socks toy? I, you like, know what? I, I honestly think if we do, because Lightyear came out after four, I think if we do anything like that, it'll just be like a cameo toy in the background, or it'll be like another toy in like a pile of things. Well, you know what? Um, <clears throat> what I think would be a cool story for Buzz. 
and I think would fit in with Lightyear and actually would then create another opportunity for them to make more money would be if Lightyear 2 came out in the Toy Story in the Toy universe. Story universe yeah and Buzz had to deal with being popular like that again because th- it's been a long ass time right Andy was like five when when Lightyear came out Lightyear came yeah. out in 95 like it's been Andy's whole like Andy becomes an adult yeah right it's been like 20 years yeah. since it's 10 happened. years by the way so Andy's eight years old in the first Toy Story he's eight okay so it's 10 years and then it's probably another few like Bonnie's older mm-hmm. in Toy Story 4 yeah right so let's say it's it's been 10 to 13 ish years mm-hmm. probably by the time by the time Toy Story 5 comes out like the timeline in there you could be looking at 20 years out from Toy Story 1 yeah. we don't it could 15 to 20 right somewhere in there for sure so what if in the Toy Story universe like how the fuck would uh, Bonnie know who Buzz is? She doesn't. It's just a toy that she has. Yeah. But how crazy would it be if Lightyear 2 comes out and Buzz becomes famous again, but now he like knows who he is? Like, I don't know, maybe there's a story there. Like, and then and then we can have socks. <laughs> then we can get socks. <laughs> a new toy. Yeah. Like, right? She could get a new toy and it socks from the new movie. And then they could make Lightyear 2 and like all would be right with the world. So Stick with me with this for a minute. I'm I'm going to throw a crazy ass idea at you. And this is just because this is what I, I experienced when I was a kid. What if the actual story is Bonnie's older and uh, let's say she's like fifth, sixth grade. And she has like some of her friends come over and they're like, why do you have a space ranger toy? That's a boy's toy. Girls don't play with that. And it becomes this like existential thing about who is supposed to play with what instead of like the toys, like the toys have to be like, are we supposed to be for specific people? I think that would have worked if they'd done it. 10 years ago, but I think as a society, yeah. we now know that even putting that idea out there is just like, I would be mad if they even made that a, like, no, that's not a thing. I'd be like, no, fuck off. Like, wait, I don't even want to put that back into people's heads anymore. <laughs> like by raising it. Yeah. Like that just shouldn't be. But think about um, like Andy had uh, like Barbie was with them all the time. Andy had um, Bo was a toy that he played with, even though but she they was all came Lamb, in from Molly's. No, they didn't. She had her. They did share a room in the first one when Molly was a baby, and they had. Oh Bo's lamp yeah. Was in Andy's room. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so there's you know, and he had like Mrs. Potato Head, obviously, like stayed in his room, and he played with her, and like <laughs> I love her. they, I, I love that couple. Um, but I, I just, I think it should be a Buzz movie, and I think it should yeah. take us back to the original Toy Story, which was about Buzz's fame and Buzz's like identity. I think that would be. I sick. think they should take it back to identity yeah. and be about Buzz and who he wants to be and what he wants to do uh, in whatever the future looks like for Buzz. And I think it would be interesting for him to become relevant again, yeah. like twenty years later, to become this like kind of like what he was to the Chicken Man, right? Be like this valuable toy yeah. like a, an og buzz Lightyear. well and for bonnie to realize like this is a huge deal that i have this like holy shit i didn't even know you were like because she was just like my cowboy and like the spaceman or whatever she didn't know their names that, that's what i'm saying yeah. like, i think that might be an interesting story to have buzz become popular again and become the the, the favorite toy again um 
I don't know. I think that could be interesting. And and I, as much as I love Woody, I would love to see a really like buzz focused movie. And I could see them taking the Toy Stories down the road into Toy Story 7 with like a buzz arc, the same way that oh, Woody yeah. had like a four movie arc. Like, fuck yeah. it, let's just keep going. Like as long as they have a good story to tell, I think, and this is what Tim Allen said, because he's going to come back. Uh, I, And Tim Allen said, you know, yeah, when it's three, it makes you think that's it, right? Because there's three and it's a trilogy and that's like how entertainment works. But once you do the fourth one, fuck it. It's all out the window. Let's go. Like Tim Allen was like, I'm here. Like, let's, let's do it. Um, I think that's huge for me too. Like that that they want to come back. That's why I get jazzed when like people like Tom Hiddleston are like, I'll play Loki until they don't have a story for Loki. And you know, like, yeah. Oh Tom! Oh my God! And like Elizabeth Olsen yeah, is like, keep up. coming. Like I'll keep coming back as long as you guys want me. To. Like they, if they have fun doing it, like I'm all about yeah. it. Like, and Tim Allen like wanting to come back. Like, yeah, I'm. Keep keep going, man. I, Chris Pratt was also, a, or sorry, Chris Evans was a brilliant buzz for Lightyear. Yeah, he was, and yeah, yeah, that one. He's in some new rom com right now that looks really funny. I love him so much. He was so good in um, Knives Out. Oh my God. As but, a ransom. Yeah. Yeah. But so let's, let's start to close out with like the last thing in the rumor requirement, which is like the fun theorizing that people do about Toy Story. Yeah. And because there's a lot of questions here because yeah. it's so grounded and set in our own world. There's a lot of like almost the types of questions that people ask about Harry Potter because it's, it's the Toy Story is the type of fantasy there's a specific term for it, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's 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 like an in-world fantasy. It's yeah. like a reality fantasy, like the secret world that exists inside of our world. Yeah. And that always leads to the most fun questions because that means that a really large portion of the world that you're in has to follow rules that we know. And so you you have to fit into those yeah. the real world rules to make sense. Right. So there's a lot of questions about like how this works. Um, and one of the big ones is like, where does Woody come from? Right. Well, so it's, it's where does Woody come from and why doesn't he remember being a big deal? Right. Yeah. Why doesn't he have a memory? Cause we know that he's an old doll from Woody's roundup which was a show in the 1950s yep. that got canceled. And uh, um, Andy's mom tells the chicken man, he's an old family toy. He shouldn't be out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Like we've had this for a yeah. long time and we know that canonically toy story does take place in 1995. Like yeah. they say so in light year and they're also listening to the lion King soundtrack in the car, which is great. <laughs> Um, of Toy Story 1. But so we yeah. know we know all of those things. And we know that Woody never talks about having a kid before Andy. Yeah. So or he says he can't remember a time before Andy. No, he just he I don't think he ever says that. I don't he just never mentions it. He doesn't ever say uh, I don't remember a time. He never talks about a time before. It's just Andy. It's just always been Andy. And we know like so then it's like, all right, so why doesn't he remember the preceding 30 yeah. years, right? And another thing that we know about toy sentience is that they're not like uh, you, I go into this being like, I, we assume that they're always sentient, right. From the time they're in the store. Right. Cause when we go to the toy store in toy story two, a lot of the toys are awake. They're all talking to not, them except for buzz. But, 
No, no, no. Most of them aren't. When you actually think about it, like, yeah, there's a lot of toys, but most of the toys in the toy store are in what Buzz refers to as hypersleep um, when they're in the box and when they're on the shelf. And the toys, like the Buzz Lightyear that gets, that like interacts with them is the demo. Right. Is the one out of their boxes. They're the demos that are out of their boxes that the kids can play with. So the prevailing theory is that toys are brought to life by kids' imaginations. And this tracks with Forky, right? Because Forky, his whole thing, his whole existential question is, I shouldn't be a toy. So Toy Story 4 tries to answer this for us, right? What makes you a toy? Is a kid saying that you are and playing with you? Yeah. Dan, there are a lot of sticks out in the middle of my backyard in Arizona that are toys. They're alive. Yeah. But did you give them – there's another theory that's like you have to write your initials on the bottom, which Bonnie does. Oh, yeah. You also have like toys like the blocks in Toy Story 1 aren't alive, but they get played with. Yeah. But they're a prop. They don't have a character in Andy's mind, right? They're just part of the yeah. game. They're, so there's like lots of theories about this. And then it's like how do you explain the prospector? Like he's awake, but he's – is it because he's been like admired by people? Yeah. Collected? That brings you to life. But it's like he's never been played with, but he has been like collected and admired. Like he's been kept as a collectible. And he talks about having been awake all this time, sitting on a shelf for all these years, right? Um, Damn, I'm literally surrounded by toys on in boxes on my shelves right now. Like, yeah, all of them alive and miserable, what Scott. What the tortured. fuck? Come on, dude. Don't do that shit to me. <laughs> so like it's – we got to assume – like if if all of that is true, then maybe Woody was never played with before Andy. Yeah. So there's a couple pretty crazy theories about that uh, that I won't dive us all the way into, <laughs> but like that he was like, there's a theory about Andy's dad having polio and that Woody was Holy his shit. kid, but that he never could play with okay. him because he was so sick. Like there's like a whole fucking litany of shit out there around this but um that's i've never heard that one the ones that i hear regularly are jesse was andy's mom's and because she had andy's hat is the same as jesse's hat yeah which that's really interesting to me yeah. right is that andy has a cowboy hat but it's not the woody it's not hat the but woody it hat. is the jesse yeah. hat and so it's like so was woody Andy's mom's toy and she had like a whole shit ton of stuff from Woody's roundup, but only, but only Woody made it or, and like, is it possible that she was Jesse's owner? Like who left Jesse? I want to say, honestly, I want to say that she was Jesse's owner, Jesse and Bullseye's owner. Like she was Emily. Yeah. But then why didn't Woody get tossed? Like I actually because don't Woody think that Woody wasn't sense. with them. Woody was Andy's dad's toy. And that maybe that's like how they'd be like, oh my God, like I had. And it's these just toys random together. that yeah. they both had this stuff. Yeah. yeah. It it seems to me that whoever, whether it was Andy's mom or dad, and whether Jesse actually, like, because if Jesse's hers, then the mom has to be Emily. Yeah. But like, even if we take that out of it and just assume that Woody was one of Andy's parents' toys, uh, there must have at some point been other toys yeah. because it does seem that that's the Jesse hat. Mm-hmm. But then here's the other thing, counter argument to this. Like we assume that the Jesse hat must be as old as the, the Woody toy, right? Yeah. Woody, Woody's roundup posters, and to be fair, it's, it's in the first movie, it is ABC roundup yeah. on the posters. But like Woody's roundup stuff is all over Andy's room. He has a Woody 
bedspread. Yeah. Right? So it's like, is it possible that the hat could have been newer? Just yeah. like the bedding and the posters, like that maybe Woody is like more valuable to the chicken man because he's one of the original toys. Like say you look at like something like uh, My Little Pony. Yeah. Done, redone. Right. Mm. Like maybe he's like one of the OGs that is therefore more valuable, but that it, this stuff is still somehow being made, even though the show has been canceled and Woody's not aware of it. Like, where's all this other shit coming from is a confusing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. it also is like, if, if Woody is one, like a, one of their parents twice, which like it, he has yeah. to be from what his mom says. Right. And he's been around for that long. Doesn't it feel weird for Andy to give him away at the end of Toy Story 3 no matter what? I mean, yeah, except that, like, it's a it, – it kind of was like this – It, dude, see, like, that's tough. I wish he had, there had been, like, one line where he's like, this belonged to my dad. Yeah, and, like, and have it be sort of impactful like yeah. that, because it seems weird that you would give away. Like, this was one of my dad's favorite toys, and then it became one of my favorite toys, and I'd like you to take it now, take good care of them or whatever. Like, all it needed was, like, that one sentence, but then, like, that's a solid answer. We know that now, but so, like, means we can't theory craft. Right, and, like, to be clear... I don't think either of us is saying that Toy Story 3 is lacking in anything. No. Because a lot no, of the time no, no, we say no, that, no. we're like, we needed this one line to have it come together or something. Like, no, 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 no. Toy Story 3 is objectively perfect. But for us to understand this, yes, there would have to be a line. For this theory to make sense and to feel yeah, right, would have there would have like had that. to be a line, yeah, yeah, for this theory to work. The movie is perfect, oh, yeah, but for this theory to work in it, it's really just it's a lot of questions, right? Yeah. The other, the other thing that when talking about like Andy's dad, like for sure, he like we said, like for sure, I think he's dead. For sure, they're leaving yeah. that family home, and that's why they're moving. His dad just died, and they're moving. Um, See, the reason I have a problem and- with that is they're all in good spirits. Like the mom is like, "We're going to Pizza Planet," and he's like, "Pizza Planet!" And, like they have a party, and like I'm not saying he died the week before. No, I know, but I just but, like it's weird like- that they're moving, like. I don't think so. I think I think after something like that happens, um, making a big transition. I mean, guess who left her husband six months after her mom died? Like sometimes, like speaking as someone who's like been through this, like that actually tracks. And also, going like part of grief is just knowing that at some point you're going to have to go back to Pizza Planet. And I absolutely don't think that this. I think we're six months out. I think his. I think his dad died six months or a year ago. I don't think this just happened. And at some point, yeah, you do go back to Pizza Planet and you celebrate your birthday and you fucking are a little kid and you figure it out and you move <laughs> if you're the single mom now living in your dead well, husband's yeah. childhood home you absolutely sell that giant ass house and you move and one one thing that's out there and i don't know if this makes any sense necessarily is that woody was andy's dad's toy right. but that andy's dad's name was also was andy, andy. yeah yeah, and that Woody is just like fucked up about this somehow, like just over. I don't know that that tracks. I, just, I don't like that a, one. It's on the yeah, table. I don't, I don't like, like that it one at much, all. But it's on the table. I think that's people trying to glue the wrong pieces together. Woody would have had to have like so oh, much. Oh, he trauma. would be fucked up. 
at some point he'd just but be I like, that's understand. not Andy, but that's Andy, but that's not Andy. Like, no. I like, I don't get how you forget in that yeah. scenario. If that theory is true, how do you forget about the years that you would have spent in storage? Yeah. Right? Like, how, Jesse doesn't forget about storage. You know, yeah, like she knew the whole time. To live with the Christmas ornaments. Yeah, I think if there's anything that needs an answer and like why, uh, like why we need answers for something, it's gotta be that's gotta be the biggest question still for me is why doesn't yeah, Woody remember any of this? The I think the thing that makes the most sense even though it it has the least emotional satisfaction to it would be that Woody was a toy that just like the prospector would have been kept in the box or was forgotten about. And I think that's the polio theory. I would have to look back on it, but I think the polio theory is that he was like bought, but forgotten about. And then right before he died, Andy's dad gave him to to Andy. Andy. And that, and that is him waking up and being played with for the first time that he was like never really given to Andy's dad and like left in a box, but that he had been around since, but it doesn't make sense when she said, when the mom says it's an old family toy, it's like, fuck off that this was just in a box. Like, why doesn't Woody remember what happened? happened to make Woody repress that what horrible thing took place where he was like I'm like did Andy's dad like keep him and have him be like the toy that you still have around you know the stuffed animal that you still have by your bed that like never really left you even though you're like what horrible story is there that Woody was like Andy's dad's forever until he died and that he was never put in storage and he was like and but he's had to block it all out because he's been through so much trauma. Dude, what if what if it's that like so Woody was Andy's uh toy, right? And then he dies. What if when Andy died or Andy's dad died because the imagination that brought Woody to life is now gone, Woody's consciousness is gone. Oh my God. And he starts over. That's the best theory I've heard. That's the best theory I've heard. When the person who gave you life dies, you die. And so now all he knows is, is Andy. Okay. So here's how this fits into the Pixar theory. A big part of the Pixar theory in its updated state right now is talking about the final death. Right. Because the final death is something that comes up a lot in Pixar. Right. So it happens in Coco when like you die and you go to the land of the dead. Right. And, and then as, as soon as you get forgotten about, you're going you. forever. Yeah. Bing bong, same thing. There's a bunch more examples where it's like memory is what keeps you alive. Um, and what like that idea comes up a lot in Pixar. Go watch the Pixar theory. But um, what if that's what's happening here where like some of the toys who have because the counter argument to that would be like what about something like gabby gabby or like these really old toys like the mannequins like they're still around like how does that work if they're original the person who originally gave them life is gone but maybe it's that concept of the second death and that like gabby gabby or them could be kept alive because other people remember them and like they're on the affront right or same with the prospector prospector was technically never played with Right. But like people like it might have been admiring him on the shelf or whatever and like keeping him in their minds. And as long as somebody still remembers you, it's okay if that original person doesn't. But what if in Andy's dad's case, there really wasn't anybody else. And that was Woody's like Woody did have kind of this final death. Yeah. And then. But be be start over again with our Andy and be rediscovered, but not remember 
his prior life. That makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, somebody should hit up Super Carlin Brothers. I kind of want to write that on their page. I'm kind of like, yo, you guys, like, what if I actually think you should? I'm like, that's, yeah. that makes a lot more sense than anything else. Shit. I'm oh, gonna, anyway. I'm put that on there, dude. We did not just hit three hours. No, we're at two. Why does it say three? Mine says online? two hours, 54 minutes or 54 seconds. Mine says three hours, 56. Uh, Something fucking trippy has happened up here. Yeah. All right. I think Zencaster just went through daylight saving time. I think it did. Um, all right. Let's, let's get out of here <laughs> since it's now been an eternity. I give this movie an 11 out of 10 and I give Woody an 11 out of 10. Same. What do you give this yeah, Absolutely the same. It's been a while since we've had an 11 out of 10, but yeah, absolutely. I give this, there's, there's nothing wrong with this yeah. movie. There are no flaws. A real, tr- like a true turn it up to 11 to where it's like, I don't want to turn this up to 35. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I, I love this movie, yeah. but this is just a real true turn it up to 11. It's just a perfect movie. It is. I, there's. It deserves its 100% run. I can't find it. It does. Like, that's, it's not like, it's like, well, you know, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. No, I do. 100%. I have no arguments yeah. for that at all. It's so good. So, Scott, I'll let you take us out of here, but send us your thoughts, guys. Send us your Toy Story theories. What do you think yeah, is going for on? Real, like this one. There's so much. What do you think about the the Pixar theory? This is a fun movie to theory craft. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Damn, bro. I'm. I'm I seriously think I'm gonna have to write on their page. Fuck. Yeah, I I think you should because yeah. I'm kind of like that. I've never man, heard that before. Is one. like the crazy part about it. Anyway, go watch the Pixar theory. I'm going to. What if I'm you don't watch, watch Soul up right or, so are you actually yes, I'm though? gonna make food and then I'm gonna watch Soul. Zuko and I have nothing I to do. You should watch Soul today. and then I think you should watch the Pixar theory. Okay. Well, yeah, like, once I, I watch, watch Soul, I'll understand it more. Yeah, you have to watch Soul for it and then watch the updated like twenty two yeah. uh twenty twenty two version theory. of it because it's like insane how it brings it all together. I'm like, oh my god. Like even <laughs> uh it even loops in onward like it it's like how the fuck does this fit into it and then you'll see you gotta watch it it like it cut onward fits in through uh wally of course it does oh my god yeah of course it does anyway all right take us out of here as always guys thank you all so much for joining us tonight we do hope that you enjoyed yourselves and definitely learned something (laughs) or theorized something uh (laughs) join us next week for jumanji Hell yeah. Um, be sure yep. to subscribe wherever you guys listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find the links in our sites and social media in the episode descriptions. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, we do encourage you to follow us on Patreon where you can catch our special quiz show, quiz show, rewind the timeline, and make sure to check out the website for all the timeline goodies, including our favorite feature, request the timeline. Let us know what you want to see and we'll make it happen. But until next time, guys. Stay nerdy.